save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning, and welcome to Our Wild World. On this program, we discuss often how animals see their world and how we can better live in tune and coexist with them by seeing our landscapes through their eyes and lives. Today, with my guest Alicia Evans, we're going to delve into a different angle of animal lives, that which they would tell us if they could speak our language or if we were more able to understand theirs. An animal communicator, Alicia invented the Walk and Sync Humane Dog Walking and Training System, which can vastly improve communication between dogs and humans while keeping dogs' bodies safe. She is the author of In Sync Method of Dog Training and creator of the In Sync Body Assessment and Muscle Release Protocol. And her website, Way of the Wolf, provides a doorway for us into what she has learned and shares with us to trust our inner selves and embrace the journey of self-discovery and transformation to embody the joy and freedom and align ourselves to synchronize our inner lives to reduce the stress that comes at us from the outside. Today, Alicia is sharing her experiences in the lessons she has learned through her work with animals and with their people, and how we may apply this to our current world crises that their wisdom can help each of us heal our world. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much, Ellie. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, personally, for being such an incredible voice and so dedicated to, you know, sharing what's going on with the animals, and congratulations for your no, for being in the top five podcasts, well, the wild ones. Well, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for joining us today because this is a slightly different uh, program. We've we had uh, an animal communicator on many years ago, and uh, she communicated a lot with elephants. So. Um, Right now, talking with you, there's a lot going on. As you well know, we have a team at CITES. So if during the program anything comes through to you from what the animals, uh, the wild kingdom might be saying out there in terms of what's happening, feel free to share that with us. But in the meantime, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a brief history, where this journey began for you? Ooh, um, it began when I was little. Uh, my mom asked me, I think at five years old, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to I want to be a veterinarian so I can help animals heal. And I've always loved animals, just always felt a deep kinship with them, even though I didn't intellectually understand what it was. I just knew we were connected. And uh, when I got into junior high school and math and science came in, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a veterinarian because um, I did really, really poorly on the uh, the tests. I, I just didn't understand science and math. So I kind of tabled that dream, went through my life, um, went into personal training out of college, and um, through my personal training experiences, learned a lot about bodies, learned a lot about people, and had an incredible client who um, 
introduced me to the world of chiropractic care and acupuncture and Qigong. And through my Qigong experiences, which is an internal martial art that you practice for self-healing and health, I landed up going on a trip and studying animal communication in Hawaii. So while I was in the ocean swimming with the dolphins, it really was like the bells and the whistles all went off because it was like, oh my God, now I have a way to help the animals be able to heal. Because if I can hear them and if I can understand what is, from their perspective, what's going on, what's going on with their body, what's going on with their behavior, you know, what are they needing their people to understand? It was literally like angels were trumpeting and I realized, wow, this, you know, even though I put that dream aside of being a veterinarian to help animals heal, I found the way that I would land up helping animals heal in this lifetime. And it's just been extraordinary um, to experience. So what you do is much more of an intuitive sense and sensual. I don't mean sexual. I mean using all the Mm -hmm. senses rather Mm -hmm. than um, the academic sciences. You're using the internal um, I'm going to call it science of the body and going directly to the source and feeding through and into and channeling that source. So when you were with the dolphins and you said all the bells and whistles went off, that's almost kind of a pun because that's sort of how they speak. So what <laughs> did it do for you? Did you just like um, hear in what kind of a language did you hear it in? A physical language that just guided hands and your mind? Um, or did you hear, what did you hear? Because I don't want to say words. Sure. So I love how you put that about like the inner sciences of um, our senses. Uh, so we have audience where you hear something. We have clairvoyance, where you see something. We have clairsentience, where you feel something, kind of more in your gut. And we have claircognizance, which is just like this overall knowing. Like, have you ever had an experience where it's like, you don't know why you know what you know. You just know that that is the truth. Yes. Okay. So I love that you put that into a scientific perspective because most of science we're going through our intellect. So for me, what had directly happened through my Qigong practice and through my doing, you know, daily, I would do an hour in the morning, an hour at night, I started to turn those senses back on. Um, Growing up in my household, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of challenges. So I had to shut a lot of my knowingness down, like the knowingness that you get in your body, because it was just too overwhelming. So through my Qigong practice, that helped me open that back up. So when I had the experience with the dolphins, literally what had happened was we had uh, done some exercises in, in the place that we were staying, and then we went into the ocean. The dolphins showed up. And I could hear them out in the distance. And even though I used to be a lifeguard, I didn't feel like I had the uh, capacity to swim out as far. So I was a little closer to shore. And I saw this little white ball. I started playing with it. The next thing I know, I look up and there's literally a dolphin hanging in front of me. And like my eyes just got so big. And so what it was, was it was like this overall feeling. But I could also communicate with her in language like I like my human language um 
it wasn't like I opened my mouth and I started talking, but from my mind to her mind, we were both conveying ideas and what would be words if they were spoken, but it was just being conveyed from my mind to her mind. We were going back and forth with dialoguing. So once I really got into animal communication as a profession in terms of uh, being paid by people to take, you know, help check in with their animals and get paid, I made it very, very clear to the animal kingdom, listen, if I'm going to get paid for this, I have to understand what you're telling me in a language that I can actually, you know, convey back to your person. Because basically all I am is just a translator, right? It's, okay. It's somebody says I'm having a problem, so can you talk to the animal, find out from their perspective what's going on? So I'll ask from my mind to their mind, like, hey, what's happening? And they'll literally share with me like a dialogue, kind of like in English, so that I can understand it, so I can be very, very precise with the information that I'm feeding back so to their it, humans. Is it at all similar to what Temple Grandin writes about thinking in pictures? Because since animals don't speak English, and even if they did, maybe we'd understand. Obviously, you're getting an ability to understand what they're saying and translate mm-hmm. it into English. But does it come visually to you, as you'd said, that that clear voyance or clairsentience that it's a visual thing that you can then translate? So for me, okay, to, to answer the question about Temple, yes, animals think in pictures. So that's, that's one aspect of it. But we have to also remember too, so like I'm in a physical human body, you're in a physical human body, animals are in their physical animal bodies, but at a core level, like if we really took this down in, in, from a science perspective, in terms of quantum science, that everything is energy and everything is connected, then everything has an ability to communicate with, with each other. Yes. It's just that in our current education paradigm, we have become very disconnected from nature. We have been taught and educated to our intellect and to our brain. But what a lot of science doesn't understand is that our head brain isn't our actual first brain. Our first brain is actually our gut brain. That's where all the raw data and the information come in. So to um, speak to what you addressed before about the the inner science, right? Uh We're almost being negated from, as a society, we're being negated from those actual natural senses that we have in our body that help us understand. Just like, you know, we look at animals and we say they're very instinctual. Well, they are but it's because they're tuning into their own wisdom. They're not being fed intellect right. and they're having to override all of their instincts. It's very so, similar to yes. what it's very similar to what Sir Ken Robinson talks about in terms of our education of children these days that um, yes. eventually children are all about using their bodies. They wiggle, they squirm, yes. they run around yes. and then by the time they get to seven, eight to twelve the educational system is taken the head and enlarged yes. the head and left the body yes. completely behind. So what yes. you're telling us is to retune into our body and kind of leave our head behind. And this is what exactly. meditation and Qigong is about, is retuning in and revitalizing and renewing that inner connection to self. Yes. 
And, and that self is connected to the web of nature. Exactly. So when someone says to me, well, I mean, what do you mean they talk to you in English? It's like, well, here's the deal. It's like we have these physical bodies, absolutely. We have these intellects, absolutely. But we also have, I'm consciousness in a body. That animal is consciousness in a body. So at a certain level, we have the ability to commute. So people talk all the time about communication, right? I talk about commune, C-O-M-M-U-N-E, communication. Because when we're in our bodies, when they're in their bodies, then all of a sudden we kind of drop out of our intellect. The intellect then becomes the architect of the information, but not the actual receiver. Like, you know, when you take a picture with your phone, it's raw data, and then it gets compressed, and then you see a picture. It's the same thing literally with our bodies. We get information is supposed to come in at the gut level, and then it goes up to the intellect to be interpreted, but it was never, ever designed for us to be totally intellectual beings or we're taking all this information into our head because that cuts us off from our bodies. So in other words, our, our, our big brain and our head tends to act as a filter, some ways to protect us, other ways to blind us to all the information our sensory self is, is feeling out there. So what you're exactly. talking about is being able to reopen that sensory connection. Yeah, reconnect with what our natural... So, you know, we have like GPS systems, you know, like on our phones, in our cars to get us from place to place to place. We actually have an inner GPS. But when we are so educated to our intellect, which is so not how the animals are educated, right? They're educated to their instincts. That's why they're always in their bodies. Unless a trauma happens, of course, right? And then, then they might act a little bit differently because they had a past trauma, but we have an inner guidance system. And this is, to me, especially with what's going on on our planet today, it is so important. The animals have such an incredible way of teaching us how to get back in touch with that inner guidance system. And from my studies and my readings of Native American history, it, it, there, is, there was a quote that said, you know, in the beginning, the creator spoke through the animals to the humans. The creator never spoke directly to the humans. So to me, it's like, whoa, there is this vast amount of wisdom that they contain. Now, we look at them usually as less than us or more superior. And it's from what I've been learning and studying and researching and observing over the last 25 years with them, I mean, my mind is blown by how vastly intelligent they are, not only on a physical, practical level, but also on a spiritual soul level of being able to guide us and help us navigate some of these, you know, extraordinary times that we're experiencing on this planet. That reminds me of what Franz Lanting had said and uh, in a, a, a TED talk that he had done with some of his fabulously stunning photographs that, you know, mm -hmm. in the beginning, all the animals met in a cave and they shed their skin and human mm -hmm. went and shed their skin, and we were all one. We all realized exactly. we were the same thing. And then we mm -hmm. put our skins back on, and that's when human laughed, and therefore was removed 
from the great mm-hmm. gathering that happened. So this is somewhat what you're talking about is us yeah. relearning to remove our skin, this box that we call human, and connect to the sensory aspect of ourselves. Yes. And that is, to me, that is the greatest teaching and the wisdom of the animals is helping us remember I know that, you know, in, in the Catholic religion, there is an aspect of the religion that you take communion, right? And you take supposedly the wafer and the wine signifies the blood and the body of Christ. Well, okay, what if that was a masculine perspective on communion? And what if now at this time, at this point in our evolution, we're actually evolving into the more feminine aspect of communion which means that everyone and everything literally can remember that we have the hardware and the software to live in peace and harmony. It's all inside of us. We just have to reconnect some of the wiring. And that's what I believe the biggest gift that the animals are here showing us. Not only how we do that, but there's also so much information that I received you know, from the wild ones about how we even, how the, the matriarchy in the, will, in the wild kingdom and the patriarchy is set up and how much it's almost like diametrically opposed the way we set it up in the human kingdom. And if we look back over millions and millions and millions of years, there's been a huge, you know, there's been a long evolution of how they do things on the planet. They were here, the planet was always in abundance. You know, there, there are certain things that, there are certain codes of nature that they have never violated. And they're trying to assist humans at this point in understanding, we have to get back to a lot of those codes. Because is, you can't, you is, know, that old saying, you can't screw with Mother Nature. Right. You know, like, you're going to lose. <laughs> well, well, this is fascinating. So we need to step away for a short break, and then we're going to get into this a lot deeper. So stick with us. I'm Ellie Weiss. You're listening to Our Wild World. And my guest is Alicia Evans, and she's going to help us understand more what animals are communicating and how we can touch into that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. 
We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. And welcome back. I'm Ellie Weiss. You're listening to Our Wild World, and my guest is Alicia Evans. So our first section here was rather interesting, and uh, her explaining um, exactly what she means by being an animal communicator, that it is about communing, C-O-M-M-U-N-E, rather than just communication using language and our heads and our intellect, that it's much deeper than that in going into our bodies and listening to that gut connection. So, um, Alicia, what did, a, a brief overview, what did the animal world share with you about authentic leadership. We talked about the patriarchy and the matriarchy. We touched on that and that you'd said we're heading into the much more feminine matriarch way of the world. Um, what, what did you learn about how this actually functions in the wild? Well, you know, growing up human, <laughs> right? We that should be a book title, growing up human. Um, we, we learned that, the patriarchy is in charge. The masculine is the dominant energy. It's the protector. It's the provider. It's, you know, the one that sets the laws and the rules. But as I started communing and communicating with the um, wild matriarchs, which actually started partly through um, a basset hound that I had was very young. Unfortunately, she had a very, very rare disease and passed away. But the night before she passed, I asked her, if she would come back as a white wolf with blue eyes and would she teach me as a, also as a holistic dog trainer, I really wanted to know the energetic perspective of the dogs of like, how do you guys don't use treats? How do you train? So a few weeks after she passed my white wolf dog, Ayana came to me and Ayana started teaching me very early and started connecting me with the, the lineage of the white wolf alpha females on the planet and then they started connecting me with the rest of the matriarchs and what they shared with me they said look around in every pack herd and pride that we have on this planet she said what you will notice is in your human world you tend to focus on the alpha male you know so when they did the study on the wolves about um you know aggression and alpha males and dominance and and the, the scientists who, who um, coined it later retracted it, but they said everything that you see 
you are projecting from your human world about what the masculine is. She said the masculine is only there really to provide and protect. But if you look closely, it is the female that are actually the ones that are responsible for, A, the education of the children at the youngest stages, and also for the direction of the pack, the herd, or the pride. And I I really just sat back for a little bit when I heard that one because I was like, I would have never seen it that way because everything in our world talks about, you know, the stallion, the king, king, you know, lion king, um, the the alpha male wolf. But when I really started to actually observe more closely, I was like, wow, we, we as humans, we have it so backwards because it actually is the feminine that like tells the masculine, Hey, this is enough. You know, like it's enough food. It's enough hunting. It's enough. This It's a, she is the one that literally lays down the ground work and the framework of behavior when she's in that den with those cubs, so, you know, mama but, horse, so, like immediately she's teaching baby right away. These are the rules. Right, and every baby needs to imprint on its mother immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In every in every species, it needs to imprint on its mother. And uh, mm-hmm. the uh, matriarchal societies that I can think of off the top of my head: hyena, elephant, mm-hmm. zebra, mm-hmm. Um, wolf, wolf, horse, ducks. You name dolphins. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lions, tigers. Like that's that's what's such an interesting thing, Ellie, because. Like I said, when you look at our human world, right, we're constantly looking at the masculine is, is in charge, but the reality is it's actually not. It's, it's almost like in a compensatory mode. And what I started to realize, even through learning from the wild matriarchs and then applying that, like when I was dog training or when I was working with horses, it was very, very interesting to see that humans naturally assume dominance versus clear boundaries. It's and a, it was, it, it's was a lot like what Wyatt Webb talks about in um, his It's Not About the Horse, that mm-hmm. in communicating, uh, his his little pro, uh, program is, you go up, you lift the horse's leg, and you clean its hoof. But you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how difficult that is to do if your intentions are not clear. And so it's obviously a um, therapy session and you're talking about what's bothering you and then he tells you to go lift the horse's leg and you can't. And you wonder why you can't lift this horse's leg. And it's because you're filled with your stuff and it's in your way. Exactly what you're talking about, Alicia, in that we we are not communicating clearly our intentions either each other or the rest of the world because we're so involved in the bubble of our stuff that when we get away from that, that, we can go over and clearly stand next to someone else, a um, non-human, a non-pegwin, a non-horse, whatever, and communicate authentically with them with clarity and intention. And it's surprising how quickly it works. Because it's Can not I, overladen with anything else. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Can I break that down a little bit? And this absolutely. will be really, really great for the audience. And you can try this 
with your animals. You can try this with your children. You can try this with your spouse, your boss, your friends. Okay, so I love what you said about that because authentic communication, what the animals showed me very specifically is that we have a mental picture. We have words or sounds that come out of our mouth. And then we have our intentional center, which sits right below our belly button. Okay. What was fascinating, and I studied this over hundreds and hundreds of dogs and training sessions and horses. So humans, what we tend to do is we say what we think we're saying what we want, but the one thing that we forget, and, and science will eventually prove this, but this is the one thing that I know from all of my studies and observations over 25 years. The first form of communication for an animal is actually a picture, okay? That picture, it has to be very, very literal, right? It has to be exactly what it is. Notice is with humans, what we tend to do is we'll say to somebody, hey, have a great trip. But instead of us in our mind visualizing them getting there safely, our mind goes to the flip picture of, oh, God, I hope they don't get into an accident. Uh-huh. As soon as that happens, that intentional center in the belly, it, we don't even recognize it. It doesn't even register to our conscious mind whatsoever, but it totally registers to our physiology, right? We're not incongruent. And as soon as an animal picks up that what we are picturing is not the same thing as what we're saying, and then it creates a level of conflict in our intention. That's exactly the reason why you can't pick up a horse's hoof because we sit there and we have a backwards picture saying what we think we mean and literally we are in conflict in our intentions. So if we just do this one thing of making sure that we are totally clear with our picture, that it's aligned with what we really want, like when I train people, the easiest example to give is, you know, somebody's asking their dog to sit, but they're looking at their dog standing. And I say, listen, you're able to create an internal picture. Create the internal picture of your dog sitting, then say it, then you'll feel completely congruent. And that energy, that alignment of inner energy is what the animal feels to go, okay, you are in alignment. You are in integrity. You don't speak with forked tongue. Okay, I can trust you. I believe you. And I'm willing to give you my um, consent, you know, to, to uh, move around my body the way that you need to. I can trust you as an authentic leader because you say what you mean and you're congruent and you're in alignment. Now, if we took that same thing and applied it to anything we are seeing on TV today in the news and in terms of politics, it's very clear to see who we would trust and who we would not trust. And I don't even mean to make this any kind of political argument. I'm just saying from an internal place, we would know right away what the truth is and what's fake. Right. If we were connected with our instincts, but because we have been so educated to our heads, it's very easy for someone to come along with a study and say, oh, well, logically, rationally, this is correct. But, you know, a lot of times, too, if you study nature, it's actually the opposite of the human, what the human world would think it is. So, in other so words, that was fascinating. So, in other words, um, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what you said. We write the story. As soon as we're asking a request or asking of 
someone, something, we've immediately written a script that is opposite to what we're really asking. Like, we're, as you said, we want the dog to sit, but we're picturing it standing, and we're picturing and thinking about all our previous experiences of mm-hmm. unsuccess um, in, in terms of this and the story that we want to create that this is what happens and then this happens and this is why it never works. So we're already frustrated before we've begun rather than standing there in a meditative kind of consciousness of clearing your mind, not writing out the script, not seeing the whole thing as it always seems to play out previously, but go in there fresh, anew, and open-minded. Yes. And because that creates an alignment of full presence. You see, as humans, because we speak, but then this is one of the things the animals shared with me. They said, think about two things where you humans so differ from the animals. And I was like, well, one is speaking. They're like, yeah. But they said, you know, you have to understand what humans do is humans have this ability to think so therefore they can produce logic and reason which should make something sound good and it sounds right except oftentimes they also include denial about what actually is because they can project forward because they can go backwards because they can use that logic and reasoning to manipulate what is they're not fully present So when you become fully present, when you become in that space of communion, when you let go of the um, almost, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but almost like the intellect becomes a prison for us because it's like we, we, in order to feel safe, we have to have logic and reason. But like, what if you didn't and you were just fully present? And what if you realized that you could actually be safe in the moment? And trust your own gut, not necessarily your intellect. Because your gut can't be fooled, right? You don't often go, oh, I knew that in my head. You're like, ah, I knew it in my gut. Like My gut knew, I knew that. And what are we trained to do? We're trained to override it. Animals are not trained to override those instincts because they don't have the same agendas that we do. So here's a point. We've got a, a few minutes left in this section. Here's a point I'd like you to talk a little bit about. What is um, the fine line between anger and fierce in nature? Because this it sort of t- tags into what you're just talking about now. Mm-hmm. So help us understand that a little. One. I love this one. So I was trying to understand um, when my basset hound passed away and Ayana came into my life, <clears throat> I really asked her, I said, please, you know, being an animal communicator, being very sensitive to energy, please teach me how you teach. So one day uh, she was on my back porch with a puppy and she said, now listen, I want you to watch this. She said, when you humans are asking another being for something, you usually start out in fear. You're you're afraid you're not going to get what you want. You have to be nice. You have to, you know, figure out, all right, can I just ask or do I have to kind of subtly manipulate the situation? The way she showed it to me is, okay, fear is leaning towards the left. And she said, then when you ask somebody something really nice, because you're figuring they'll just do it, if they don't do it, then you start coming into the center of left and you start getting a little frustrated. 
She said, and then after frustration happens and you're not being listened to, then you start leaning to the right and you start getting angry. So the problem with anger is that it rises and then you literally will spit it out or throw it at someone, almost like vomit or almost like fracturing a being because you start attacking the person because now your adrenaline's up, you're already frustrated. She said the difference with fierce is that we never get angry, we get clear. And this was so interesting because then she showed me the body language. She said, look at what I do. If, I, if, that, if I'm telling that puppy something and it's seeing me move, you know, my face or it's feeling my intention or it's feeling my picture. She said, when it doesn't listen, I don't let that anger energy go upward. I send it downward. And when I send it downward, I start getting my spine more erect and I start leaning, bending at my hips. For her, it would be her haunches. For a human, it would be their hips. And I start giving a little bit more of a stare to let her know, to let the puppy know I meant what I said. And all of a sudden now that puppy can feel the intensity of that energy and it starts to become aware of its own behavior. And when it does, it actually literally will start adjusting its behavior and it will start being respectful. So she said for, for the animals, she said, we rarely ever do anger we do fierce because we're setting a clear boundary, but we're not trying to fracture the being. We're not correcting the being. It's not personal. It's about the behavior. She said, but what you humans do, unfortunately, you become angry. You make it about yourself. And then literally when you launch, you know, the, the tr- thinking what you would call a boundary, she said, what you're actually doing is launching your negativity on someone else and making them feel really bad. Wow. She said, we don't do that. So we, we keep our animals will often stay intact in terms of their own self, their own self-confidence and their own ability to start to understand how to harness our energy. So she said, if there's one thing that you humans, especially the females could shift is instead of feeling like you have to wait till you get angry, because it's almost like you need permission to really set the boundary. She said, send that energy down through your legs. So you just know, hey, I'm the mom. I'm calling the boundaries. You know, you're not going to let a two-year-old drive the car. And you're not mad. You, you just, you've drawn a clear line. Hey, that behavior is no longer acceptable. She said, imagine what your human world would start to become if you could shift that one thing. So it's kind of the uh, di- what you, one can do when you're sitting with your child, and I'm yeah. not going to ask you again, or I'll tell mm-hmm. you one more time, stand firm right from the beginning. I was taught this a long time ago by Charlie Samet, who works with uh, ex uh, performing animals out in Salinas, California, and we were walking a tiger, and um, he wanted the tiger to sit. The tiger didn't want to sit, and what normally we would do as people say, I'm going to ask you again, I'm going to ask you again, but you can't do that with a thousand pound tiger, and you have to follow through with clear, calm, and as you're outlining it, fierce, strong, steadfast, grounded energy. And that translates through 
the leash or the chain or the, mm-hmm. the or the um, of course the tiger had to be on a, a a leash because we did not want it to run off. But it transfers that energy to the other being, and that's what you're saying. Then it becomes crystal clear because it's all yeah. about energy and not necessarily authority and dominance, but this fierce steadfastness. Yes, and I would say, you know, a lot of the times when people think fierce, right? Like you brought up the image of a tiger. So they see a tiger pouncing. But the truth is when they're doing things with behavior, the energy really doesn't come up out of their body, right? Right. Like anger. It really just goes down. So the interesting thing is you actually land up saying less. You're very quiet. Right. But it's this calm, like you said, it's this calm, deep, calm, deep confidence. And grounded. That you're not going to change. Yeah, you're not going to change what you said. Right. So yeah, that I was, tra- I was trying. Right. Yeah. I was trying to help define fierceness as the way mm-hmm. we're looking at it uh, in terms of this conversation, and to help mm-hmm. our listeners understand that fierceness is not anger. Fierceness no. is when you're very clear in your intention and you'd mm-hmm. send that energy downward. So your legs, you're standing on the earth, is very yes. grounded. And then yes. it becomes very clear. Unfortunately, yes. we need to step away for a quick break right in the middle of this great conversation. So stick mm-hmm. with us and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. 
We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back with my guest, Alicia Evans, animal communicator. I'm Ellie Weiss, and you're listening to Our Wild World. So throughout this program, we've um, learned a lot of how to get in tune with that center of ourself, the gut, rather than the intellect and our head, and set that aside um, over to one side while our body is oftentimes telling us something completely different. And Alicia is helping us to better align ourselves so that we can communicate our intention with clarity. And oftentimes that's what's necessary when we're speaking to a non-human being, that uh, our fellow earthlings. And um, so, Alicia, I'd like to start here with um, what are the three most important things that wild animals, wildlife, the other non-human beings on our planet, not just the big and furries, but all the wildlife on our planet, wants us humans to know about them and our, and by our, I'm not sure if we mean our human or our being existence on Mother Earth. So, the first thing that they want us to know is heal your disconnection from nature. Um, the modern world is filled with many amazing things, but the reality is that all of those things will trans- transpose themselves and, tr- and, and expire as they have with every other civilization. The only thing that always remains is nature. So the first thing for us is literally to heal our own disconnection from nature, the wilderness, and from our own nature. Um, The second thing is that they want us to really become aware of how much our modern world is really impinging on their habitats. And when we don't understand the ramifications of what, you know, the rainforest, being on fire, of, of the climate changing, of cutting down their habitats, of poisoning their habitats. When we do not really fully understand the ramifications of this, they ask us to please go slower. The third thing that they want us to know is if you really want to understand science, you have to study nature to understand the bigger picture. Our modern science is, you know, telling us they've discovered all these wonderful things and we've discovered this and now we've discovered that. But the reality is that when you're looking at things just from a chemical and a biological standpoint, quantum science will show you the interconnectivity of all of it. So they really, really encourage us to work with sciences that understand the bigger picture. Because at this point, even with all the biological and ethological studies of animals, they're still guesses. Um, I've spoken to many scientists and many doctors, and honestly, they will be the first ones to say, yes, you know, we do our best to measure things in science, but science is limited. 
And so, you know, that's why we have to understand that that bigger science of the quantum energy field and being able to be in communion is what will give us information in, I-N, like inside our bodies. It will wake up those senses that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation. Um, so they just really want us to know that there's an even vaster picture of natural intelligence. And the more that we can connect in with that, the more we will actually understand than what some of the limitations of science come up against with. And there is a really wonderful book, this just came to my mind, um, that lends itself very well to what you just talked about. The title is Endless Forms Most Beautiful. And it is about mm-hmm. a more quantum science and breaking down the DNA toolbox that we are all made of the same stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's um, a bee who ends up with a, a DNA gets switched on to a striped body or it ends up being a striped zebra. Um, the toolbox is all there. The RNA is one thing, but the DNA is the same. And that no matter what, um, and now through science, we have learned environmental factors of which we affect also affect our DNA in turning on and off switches. So we have learned so much through science, but science, spirituality, and I'm not necessarily talking religion, and um, meditation, everything that we're talking about, they are not distinct boxes. We can cross them over, blend them, and meld them, and that all of it together creates a full picture is what I I think you're helping us to understand that we don't have yeah. to stay in one box. And that no, and when you take that, sorry. No, that when you start getting into quantum science, quantum leaps, it starts bridging things much bigger and making connections that we might not make if we just go through the logical steps of A to B to C. We start going yeah, from A to F to Z. Yeah, yes. And one of the things that we have to realize is that while the intellect is very powerful, the intellect has no capacity or capability to be able to actually feel. It Uh doesn't have empathy. The body, our animal body, is our actual innocence. Okay? Uh When we were kids and when we were in that body, like, anything was possible. We could create anything. And then if certain traumas happen, it shuts us down. It makes us not feel safe in our body anymore. And then we go up into the intellect. And when we go into the intellect, the problem is we can no longer feel what is right and what is the actual truth. We can only think it. And that thinking can be manipulated. And so the animals are asking us to please reconnect with our nature, the nature of our bodies, the nature of ourselves, to heal our traumas and our wounds. Because like that saying goes, you know, wounded people wound people. We're doing things that we do have an intellectual understanding of, but we don't have an embodied feeling of because if we did and we understood the empathy that's contained within the body and like you said 
everything actually at its most fundamental level is the same, we would stop hurting those who we see as different, whether that's the animals, other people, other religions, other economic statuses, it would end or, if or, we literally get back into our animal body. Or perhaps... all mammals. So let me ask you a question. Or perhaps is something we can exploit. Yes. If so, you can't feel another being, if you can't see the love between a mother elephant and her child and a herd, you will just say, hey, that's money over there. It's like, no, that's not money. That's life. That's the thing that humans, again, that the animals advise. Humans can go into denial. Animals don't go into denial. They know exactly who they are. They know exactly the situation. They stay present. Humans make up stories. And they're not present. And that's why they can create and cause so much harm. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I don't mean to put you on the spot at all. We're in the middle of one of the largest conventions that will decide the future of many endangered species of flora and fauna. And um, many uh, conventions have been going on. There's the uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the um, Intergovernmental Panel on Biodiversity. All of this deals with all the other living forms, earthlings on the planet, uh, that we humans have um, decided we have dominion over and can exploit to the point that we are um, tipping the balance of life on this planet. So I'm just going to ask you, are you tuning in or are you feeling anything from what the animal world might be saying since there is so much intensive focus on them right now, especially in Africa and every place around the world where endangered species of flora and fauna live and habitat um, or inhabit? Are you feeling anything from this intensity every single day i mean talk about broken heart talk about um just we two things number one we have got to stop with this whole um you know exploiting of the planet and exploiting of the animals in terms of politics and also in terms of finances this was not the way the creator set up this planet. And anytime somebody goes, well, money is a unit of exchange. Well, it is, but you know what? Money wasn't always a unit of exchange. That's only been 100, maybe 150, 200 years, maybe. So when we only look at that part of our history and we're not seeing any more our animal brothers and sisters and relatives and the earth as the place that we were given for free, to live exquisitely here, but then some people are actually taking, you know, this notion of um, domination, you know, dominion to mean domination. It, it, it breaks my heart every single day and connecting in with the animals. Um, if you're okay with it, I mean, I, I would be happy to do, you know, let's tune into them as the overall animal kingdom right now and just yeah. show what their perspective is. Yeah. Um, because I think rather than arguing points about why people are right or wrong or what they believe, I think we just need to hear their wisdom and truth and let that hit us where it hits us and let us, each one of us, do what we know or choose the right thing, you yes. know, based on that inner. Okay. 
Okay, so I'm just going to get quiet for a sec. So, <laughs> just just so that you know, so what I see visual right now literally is panning left to right, like the entire animal. It's like Noah's Ark is sitting in front of me. And they are all basically coming together as one and as one voice. And there is just, there's a heaviness on their hearts. You know, they're... um, They said, listen, you humans have educated yourselves to intellect. So you will use science or you will use logic and reason to deny and to defy what is actually the creator's truest intention of creating this planet. This can be looked at in certain ways as an experiment. And the experiment is really on your human shoulders, because if you are the ones with the most intelligence, you will have to understand that intelligence is not just defined by logic and reason. If you truly allow yourself to breathe through your nose, drop into your gut, relax the tension and the stress in your own body, reconnect your body on a cellular level with nature's natural rhythms, with the animals as your relatives, not as your enemies, you will start to come to understand the more holistic picture of what true intelligence, of what authentic intelligence is about. It isn't one small segment. It is literally about an entire circle of the web of life. And the only ones that have control over this at this point is you humans. So what will you actually choose? Will you choose to connect with your authentic intelligence? And will you choose to bypass the intellectual understandings that you were given by your education system? or even by your parents or your society about us animals? Or will you remember that you are a mammal just like us? The same things that you feel and experience with your children, in your homes, with your friends, in nature, are the same things that we experience. So it is only up to you humans to be able to see through your false educational programming and decide and choose to make a reconnection with us. But you are literally deciding the fate of all life. So what will you choose? And that's the question we ask often on this program. Thank you, Alicia. Um, while you were talking, I was breathing, relaxing, settling in. So I would ask our, our audience, our listeners, to do the same thing. Uh, settle in. Quiet your mind. Ground yourself. Maybe it's a guided meditation, but just sit and breathe and tune in for a bit and realize who do we want to be. 
And that is the question of our time in terms of not only rescuing our planet, but rescuing ourselves from this cycle of destruction that we seem to be bent on, that it's not just about human life and will we survive, it's about all life on Earth as we know it, up to this point in uh, eons, millennia of time. We are really but a blink um, in this in this biological clock that we call Earth. Um, so, Alicia, um, we are out of time today, but that was a very, this was a very peaceful conversation, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, it. It helped ground me. It helped open my mind. I hope it helps our listeners find another way to to look at the despair that is going on that so many feel today, and that, as you just said, uh, the rest of the world is feeling as well, the non-human world. So thank you so much for your time. I think we may have to do another uh, podcast to talk a little bit more about um, your training, uh, not your training, your training systems. We we have a lot yet to talk about. So um, mm-hmm. to, I would like to thank you for today and the, and the peace that you brought. Thank you so much for inviting me. And this is, you know, if I could leave us with one thing, this is really what if the animals can shift us right in this hour to bringing back that sense of peace and what is true and what is real and what always has been real versus some of what the nightmare that we've been creating, this is what they really choose to bring forth. And I am just a messenger bringing forth their information to truly bring peace back to this earth. Cause mother earth will shake us off. I'm not worried about the earth. She'll repair herself. Humanity, well, that's going to be a question of if, you know, can, can we really trust ourselves enough? Can we trust our bodies enough, you know, to, to be, remember to be what we who can we be. are? Yeah, to yes. be what we can be. Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, you, um, out of time. So, listeners, uh, step out and feel our wild world. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 